Welcome into the week 17 preview of the All Ball Podcast. George and I got seven really good games, really six really good games. We're going to touch on quickly the Colts versus the Raiders right now because, because of all the uncertainty with Carson Wentz having COVID and now these mandates being shortened instead of having to wait 10 days if you're unvaccinated, it can be five days if you're asymptomatic. He has a potential to be cleared by the time game time is on Sunday. So, I mean, anything that we talk about right now, it would it would feel like if he's brought back in, it would be kind of, I don't know what to say, kind of irrelevant at this point, because if we're going based off the idea that Sam Ellinger is going to be the starting quarterback and Carson Wentz is there, it's completely different. I feel like right now Vegas is anticipating Carson Wentz is going to be the quarterback because the line is in D minus seven at this point, but it's still very much up in the air. Um, two things, you know, obviously there's the whole like, you know, if Carson's out, it's a big deal. But the two things that I would say is um, the Raiders, I feel like keep catching breaks, you caught the Browns off COVID. You caught the Broncos with no Teddy Bridgewater, although, you know, you might say it's not too big of a difference. I would say it's a decent size difference. But, you know, the point is they keep getting the benefit of the doubt. I would take the Raiders here at plus seven right now. And and I just think that Carson, there, there's a decent chance he wouldn't play. Um, worst case, I feel that I can't see the line moving more than this. I can't see it going to eight, nine, like if Carson is playing. I would just take it now and hope for the best if you're you know, taking the Raiders. It's tough with Darren Waller being ruled out for the season, and obviously they haven't had him for the past couple of weeks there, but that's just another guy there. It's I saw an interesting stat, and this is what led me to take the Bengals over in team total over this past Sunday. Teams the week after they play the Broncos have been averaging over 30 points a game since week 10. Wow. And the Raiders played the Broncos last week, so – Maybe the overs the play here. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, you do think back to like, I think a couple teams have been like stifled by the Broncos and then been like come out frustrated the week after. Like you think about the uh, the Cowboys and Chargers. And the Chiefs. Sure. Chiefs put up 22 right. against them, then put up 48 against the Raiders. Right. Well, yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah, they always torch the Raiders. So it's not like. I think, look, I just can't, I just couldn't see a scenario where this line got to eight, nine, 10. Like, I'm surprised that this is what the number is, given that the uncertainty surrounding Wentz. Admittedly, I'm not too familiar with the situation. I would take Raiders and see what happens on Sunday. Yeah, I think if you are interested in taking the Raiders, you take them now, because the only thing that this line could do is, I think, go back towards zero. If you are taking the Colts, I would wait it out, because at this it's, point... It's, just, you, it's, two, it's two teams that are eight and seven. It's just like It just can't be more points than this. I mean, I don't think the line's ridiculous because I think the Colts are trending completely upwards. And like you said with the Raiders, this is a team that's caught a lot of breaks over the past couple of weeks when it comes to now their record sitting at eight and seven. I don't necessarily yeah. see them on that same level. No, I agree with that. But I just think um, I also I guess going back to the Carson thing, and this is really the point is just like I feel like Carson's the type of guy that like. Like, I don't know, maybe just because, you know have so much exposure to him when he was the Eagles quarterback, but it's sort of like a, Oh, he will have symptoms on like Saturday. You know what I'm saying? Or like mm -hmm. on Sunday, he's going to end up not playing. Yeah. No, that's why. Yeah. That's why if I would take Vegas, I would take Vegas right now. If you want to yeah. take Vegas, if that's the side, if you want Colts, I would wait because you want to exactly. see if he's hundred percent there before exactly. you actually lock because in. Even if you, even if you talk yourself into the, Oh, we don't even need Carson, right? Because if you're a Colts guy, you're going to say, "Oh, we don't even need Carson. Like we don't even use him. We, we could use Sam Allinger. We could use Jacob Eason. It doesn't even matter. That's not true. He's worth at least two points, probably three. Yeah, I think this line could go down to four, three or three and a half, four-ish, maybe even Absolutely. three. And you're getting a couple of key numbers in there. I, I, I think that's definitely the move if you are looking to go go with the Colts in this one. Okay, let's get to uh, some of the other games. Kansas City, Cincinnati. Kansas City is favored by five right now. Both these teams coming off just absolute fireworks uh, offensively in their past couple, couple or their past game and their defense stifling the opposition's offense. Um I see the – I find this to be one of the tougher games to handicap because this is a five-point spread. It's kind of in the middle. I think right now I would lean Bengals at home getting the five points because I think they have the offense to go shot for shot with the Chiefs. And I also think that they can mix in the run game as well as have that have those threads on the outside with T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd to make it so they can't crowd the line of scrimmage, the Chiefs' defense on that in that side. Um, I honestly don't love the spot for the Bengals. Um, I just feel that I think like, you know, they just came off a big win. I think they could win this game and clinch the playoffs, which would obviously be massive, but I, I still just don't love it. But then on the same time, on, on the other end, I have the chiefs who I keep saying that I hate the spot for them and they keep winning. So it's like, you know, it's one of those things that like, 
this isn't actually true necessarily, but every time they win another game, every time you lose a coin flip, you think you're more and more due to win the next one, you know, something like that. So that's sort of how I feel with the Chiefs. So it's a tough one. I think it's interesting that, you know, I don't think I don't think home field advantage is three points anymore. But even if you want to call it two, you're saying the Chiefs are a full touchdown better than the Bengals. It's a bit of a statement for me. Um, and in that sense, I like the Bengals. But uh, hard, really hard for me to call. I probably would not touch this game. Chiefs are right now 6-0 and against the spread in their last six games. So they've started to turn the corner. Obviously, that's to deal with the fact that their defense has been absolutely lights out. They have given up 14, more than 14 points once in those six games. And it's obviously we can go through and all the all the teams that they're playing against. Joe Burrow, outside, like there's one team that went that put up more than 14 points, and it's the Chargers. And that's Justin Herbert. And Joe Burrow's on that similar type of level. He can put up the 24 plus with them. I, I think I feel like the over feels like the obvious play here with both these explosive offenses, but this could be one that just traps you in there. Right now, the over-under sitting at 51. I mean, a 27-24 game. I think is very likely for this. I don't know. Yeah, this is a tough game. It probably won't be one that I that I absolutely hit on, like that I go straight up with. Maybe I'll tease um, the Bengals up. But besides that, I, I just can't see between these two very close teams, one of them really having a significant edge. I do think five is just a very weird number with this. I like, the, I like what you said about teasing the Bengals up. You got them to 11 and a half, six and a half point tease. I think they, I think they like at least show up. They always show face. And that's crazy what you said about the Chiefs defense. So many games in a row with 14 points. I mean, you know, when the Chiefs get back on track, everybody like people are talking about the defense, but everybody just wants to like look at the Mahomes highlights and stuff like that. But that really puts it in perspective. Like, like, you know, they're not carrying the team. I wouldn't go that far, but they're they're more than just stepped up to an average level. They're starting to step up to, you know, top 10 level, at least the way they're playing recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, like a bunch of those games, when I think about it, they, they it felt like they were at home for those. And this is an away game. So we'll see if, you know, being outside of Arrowhead actually has an effect on what we see from their defense. But when you have Chris Jones and you have Frank Clark and you have um, – Who's the who they who they get from the Steelers? I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but when you have those guys on the defensive line, and we know the offensive line for the for the Bengals isn't there, that that's where this game can be won or lost for the Chiefs in this one. Okay, Rams Baltimore Rams favored by four and a half. I feel like this line is assuming that Lamar might play. Right now, he uh, he returned to practice yesterday. It didn't look like great. I, I didn't look like he was moving around that much. It looked like just a, just some drop back passes. Um, what do you think about this one? I think, um, I, I think, I, I think the Rams should go take care of business. I think the, the Ravens are kind of done. Um, it's, it's tough. It's tough for me to talk myself back into the Ravens. I enjoyed what they gave us all season, but again, I, I go back to what I was saying on, on I think, Monday, and it, it's like, it's not even about the offense. I don't care. Like, Lamar can come back. They still can't stop anybody, anybody competent from throwing the ball because they've lost their entire secondary. They've also lost all their running backs. Like, I know, like, Lamar gets the headlines, but it, it's really like the pass game has been fine without him. So even if he comes back, I just think that, you know, I think the Rams are like the Chiefs, I think the Rams have a little bit of choke in them potentially because of the way they looked midseason. But I don't know. I think they look really good right now. You know, I think they just handled business against the Vikings with Stafford playing a horrible game. If Stafford's at least somewhat closer to what he's used to being, there's no reason they shouldn't win by a couple scores. Yeah, you have to assume that Stafford can't play as poorly as or won't play as poorly as he did on Sunday against the Vikings. And we saw what Joe Burrow did this did to the secondary. And I'm not saying he's going to put up five touchdowns over 400 yards. But if you're telling me he puts up 303 touchdowns, I think that's very well within the realm of possibility. And at that point, how likely do you see the Ravens actually coming out with a victory in this one? It is the defense. It is the secondary. For the most part, we harp on it every time we talk about the Ravens because they're they're so depleted back there. And it's not like that it's going to get any better. And this Rams team is starting to, you know, round into form, even though Stafford didn't have a good game against the Vikings. The fact is the defense stepped up. The running game was there with Sony Michelle. I, I, we could see Cam Akers in this one with Daryl Henderson now going on IR. They're, they're starting to pick up some steam here. And we have a Ravens team that's kind of teetering on the edge. They're hoping to hang on to those last wild, that lost last wild card spot. And I'm not sure if they're going to be able to, to win this game against a very good team in the Rams. Yeah, I mean, it almost makes you feel better about the Rams when Stafford plays that poorly and they still put up 30. Um, One thing I was thinking about the Rams, though, it's funny, like as good of an offense as they have, 
I don't look at them as one of those teams that I actually think could put up 45 in like a shootout. I think they're more of like a 34 kind of team in terms of like points scored. Um, I like, I like, even if I like the, let's say I like the Rams offense better than the Chargers, I like the Chargers offensive ceiling more than the Rams. And I feel that way about like the Bengals and a couple other teams as well that like, you know, do you think the Rams could actually score like 41, 44 to win a crazy shootout against another elite team? I do. I do. I think they have the play caller. I think they have the head coach and I think they got weapons. And are you saying this just with like with them right now? I still think they can do it even without you take out Robert Woods. Cause I still think they have guys there that can now, they can bring no, that offense. No, my thing is, so you brought up the 300 yards and the three touchdowns for Stafford. Right. And like, that's kind of what he does, but he's not the 400 yard guy, the 400 yard and four touchdown guy. He's had so many games of 303, but he's not the 404 guy. And then, you know, their pass first offense, they're a little more defensive reliant than I feel like they get credit for outside of, you know, Ramsey and Donald, who everyone loves to talk about. Um, I just, you know, they've all, I don't even know if they scored 40 all year. And I think the, the highest they've gotten is maybe when they played the giants or the lions, you know, teams of that nature. Yeah. The most they've had this year is giants. Um, who is it? Giants, Texans, green, uh, not green Bay, uh, Jacksonville. Yeah. And that was 37, 38, 38. Yeah, well, you know, those are three teams that are, you know. No, no, yeah. you mean three playoff teams. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, but I do think they – I won't put them below a, a, a Bengals or a Chargers when it comes to offenses that can put up that the, the, type, of, uh, the type of performance that you, were, that you were talking about. I just, I just can't right now. When they have the play caller in Sean McVay, when you compare them to the other two teams, they have a better play caller. I think they have a quarterback on the same level, and I think they still have very good weapons that compare that are comparable to those other two teams. It's, it's funny you say that because I was actually just thinking about the Rams, and I was about to say with Robert Woods injured, is it that insane to say quarterbacks or sorry, uh, wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs? So like talking about all offensive weapons, is it not is it not unfair to say that they only have one guy who's actually above average? I think that you can, yeah, yeah. I think it's fair. I think it's very fair to say that's where that's where Sean McVay and what he does, what he does as a play caller, and how he's able to scheme guys open, scheme open at Tyler Higby, scheme open at Odell, who's started to catch fire right now and seems to be finding the end zone every single week. And when you add in the idea that Cam Akers comes back and if he can, you know, start to round in the form there, this offense starts to explode possibly. But, like, you also have to say the top end, Cooper Cup, of those three teams, the Bengals, the Chargers, and the Rams, he's the best guy. Keenan Allen's there, but he he's the best guy right now. Yeah, no, I just – it's like I like Van Jefferson, but he's average. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, Henderson or Michelle, but they're average. Cam Akers could be a good player, but it's hard to say right now, especially coming back. Yeah, I don't Higby, think you can say that right now. Yeah, Higby, same thing. Like, I, I don't hate these guys at all. But, but like, you know, when you put it in the context of are they, you know, above average for NFL starters, it's, it's kind of hard to get there. So, like, the, the one point that you have to see you can stick on is Odell. Where where does right. he rank in all of this? And that, that, I think it's too tough right now to say. Between you know, those are what, always – they're always the hardest guys to rank, right? The fading star. It, it's always so difficult to rank them because you – you it's, it's unfair to just say – Oh, like he was bad, like this season or the past season. But but then it's also not fair to point back to what he did, you know, four or five years ago. And across sports, really, you know, like in baseball, like a guy like Albert Pujols, for example, if you played fantasy baseball, he would have been drafted too high so many years in a row when he went to the Angels and sucked because it's like the hardest type of guy to rate. Um, and so with Odell, it, look, I I don't think it's unfair to say that he's not average, right? Like he's not he's not above average right now. There's no proof of it. He definitely could be though. I think it's especially tough with Odell because the he makes the change midseason, and if you look at what he's been able to do with the Rams, I think it's starting to take a step up where he's starting to trend in that direction where he'll become. We'll look at him more as a league average or above average guy as opposed to necessarily close to that league average at this point. And he's a guy that I mean, the fading star. He's twenty nine. He's still got a couple of years. I think we were talking about Julio Jones, who was thirty two, and we we're talking about Antonio Brown, who's thirty three. I gotta say, there's probably at least one to two more years, maybe. I mean, he just turned 29 this past November. I, he's not. I'm, I guess he's fading, but he's not washed. Right? Mm. He's not physically washed, but yeah. I mean, like he's not in his prime. He, 
It's I like, think I think the injury, the lower body injuries, have stunted his prime. Look, some people's primes are when, dude, these career stats are crazy bad. Like you know, the past. I guess he's been injured these past few years, but yeah, um, he he finished I think two seasons in a row. Uh, with the Giants and then with the with the Browns, where he finished on season-ending IR, and he lost they lost him pretty early in the season. Yeah, but you know, so he really does fit into the offense well. Like I, I don't know what's more accurate. He's his like his goal at this point should be a Robert Woods type player, or they just sort of put him in the Robert Woods role because I do feel like he's just sort of slotted in there and gets a lot of the similar looks. So, like, as a player, Robert Woods is more complete, I think, as a receiver because what he does as a blocker and his ability just in, in different ways that they use him around the offense. With Odell, it's the explosiveness that I don't necessarily see Robert Woods having. So I think it's him slotting in as the receiving role for what he can do there. I think he makes the loss of Robert Woods just a little bit easier to handle. But oh, I don't definitely. necessarily see when the offense is when the offense is humming and how they want to operate, Odell is the ideal guy there. Like they threw they threw that one fade to Odell. Um, I want to say it was against the Jags, but it, it could have been against the Vikings, just like a, you know, goal line fade. He went up and got it. Mm-hmm. You know, he still has that in him. I, I guess at this point in his career, I almost view him more as like a speed possession guy. But he, if he still has those capabilities to go up and get it, I mean, it, it's interesting because, right, he has all the tools of just trying to figure out how to use them right now, you know, keep them effective. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. What uh, Philadelphia football team, Philly is favored by three and a half right now. What are you, what are you seeing from your team this upcoming well, weekend? Well, we, well, we talked on Monday, right. And, and we said, we kind of both agreed that it seemed like a good spot for the football team, right. You know, you're getting embarrassed um, against Dallas and then, you know, the Eagles just a couple weeks ago struggled against the football team. And that was with all their players missing with COVID. So I think, you know, there's definitely a chance that the Eagles have some trouble here. Um, and this line's even gone down, no? Or was it three or was it four on Monday? I think it was four on Monday when you were talking about it. Right, yeah, because I was thinking that too, but which is crazy because um, we thought nobody would be, you know, signing up to bet the football team at that number. And here they are, the line's moved to three and a half. It's sketchy, man. It's sketchy. It's, uh, um, look, the football team's at home. I think that, you know, that coming off the embarrassing loss is a very real thing. I don't love the Eagles minus three and a half here because I also don't think the Eagles are, are the caliber of team that you can say, oh, this team's definitely going to go on the road and beat a team that they're better than. They're not quite that level of team yet, right? So, you know, you're ready to pencil on the Eagles as a playoff team in the NFC, but they're, they're, they're the type of team that could blow this game right here. They totally could. So it, it's hard for me to say that I love Eagles minus three and a half. And it's hard when these teams are like – I still would take the Eagles over the football team, but when you string together just really monumental wins, like they did, like not monumental, but dominating wins, like they dominated the Giants, then going in and playing another another divisional team against uh, the football team right now, I think it's hard to string together those ones when you're not necessarily that great of a team. You're a good team, not a great, or an average team. You're not a great team at this point. I really like the line of three and a half. I liked it better at four. Um, I mean, you talked about they were missing all these guys. I mean, Garrett Gilbert was the quarterback two weeks ago for the football team. And that was a guy that they had to sign off practice squad. He had barely been with them. All of this. I just, it makes me a little bit worried about what we saw with that football team on, on a Sunday, obviously, but that's also where I feel like you kind of get like prisoner of the moment. And when you have to think about the NFL, it's one week at a time. You can't, you can somewhat take what happened last week, but you can't use that as your full reasoning and your full belief on why you have to take a team when it comes to the following week. So when I look at the number right now at three and a half, I'd probably lean that way. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, um, a lot of things went wrong for the football team against the Cowboys football team was up 10, nothing with Garrett Gilbert against the Eagles. Granted a lot went wrong for the Eagles there too. So, um, you know, the Eagles have shown the capability to blow out teams, especially if they get an early jump. Um, that's sort of the Eagles recipe to, you know, an easy Sunday, obviously, is to get the first couple scores. The one that the, the one part that makes me a little bit hesitant with the football team is the fact that this isn't like this can't feel like a letdown spot for the Eagles because they're still vying for that last wild card spot. It's not someone where they're like it's not early on in the season, like week six or seven, where it's like, well, OK, they, we have a long road ahead of us. There's two weeks left. Yeah, but the Eagles, but the Eagles are not a letdown spot caliber team. Do, do you know what I'm saying? No. Because a, a let, for me, what you're saying is a letdown spot. A team can only be a letdown spot candidate 
if they're the type of team who always should beat the team that they're definitely better than. And the Eagles are just not that caliber of team, like I said earlier. They're not even at that level that it's like, oh, the Eagles playing the football team on the road, they should definitely win. I don't I don't look at the Eagles that way at all. And I, I'm a fan. It, there's no way that there's that they're like a top 10 team in the league, you know, even top 12, given how deep the AFC is top 15 I mean, they're, they're probably in the back end of that top 15 so and, and, and the football team can't be lower than like 25 so well that's where I think like I think where most people will get caught in this is that you see what both teams did over the over last week and you'll be like okay this doesn't make sense because this doesn't make sense when you look at oh. what happened last week the fact that the football team is only underdogs by three and a half points that doesn't make sense Oh, I agree. Don't bet the Eagles minus three and a half. I would not recommend it at all. No, I, I, I was surprised when I was talking about it with a coworker and he was on Eagles minus three and a half. And this is like one of our sharp guys. And I, I, I don't know. He has his reasoning for it. It can't be a letdown spot for the Eagles. They have to come out and motivate it for it. Uh, they can't be over. They can be looking past this one because it, right now they're a team vying for the last playoff wildcard. I think that's very valid. I just think when I have, you know, the polar opposites of what happened last week. I love taking the polar opposites. One team gets blown out. One team does the blowing out. Yeah. You meet in the middle. They just played each other a couple of weeks ago. And I get three in the hook. I mean, that's just too good for me when it comes to all those factors. I'd rather lay it with the football team. I feel like I, you talked about it before. I think with like fishy lines, it's like, I can't just like go into it, even though it says it's, it feels like a fishy line. Cause if I feel like I'm wrong, then it's just going to feel so I'm going to feel so stupid right now. If I don't take the football team plus three and a half, I feel like I'm going to be stupid if they lose, if they win, or if they cover that number. If they lose, I'll be like, fine, I don't care. I felt confident in my analysis of it and my belief on that this team would have covered this number. Yep. Okay, Miami, Tennessee. Tennessee is favored by three. We saw this line come down. Uh, it was three and a half, honestly, like a couple of hours ago when I was going through the lines. So this line has gone bent down a little bit. We saw Miami come through and beat the Saints on Monday night. We saw Tennessee win on Thursday night. So they've had a little bit of time off. A.J. Brown returned from injury and looked very strong for them. This Miami defense continued to play strong, but obviously against Ian Book. W which way are you leaning for this one? Uh, it's tough. I, I actually think that these teams are like kind of similar. I think they, they, you know, they have their quarterbacks. They have their uh, – I think Waddle and AJ Brown are both like super important for their teams, you know, admittedly for different like styles of play. I think Waddle's been like amazing this year, honestly, clearly to his like favorite guy for, for a speedy guy to get as many touchdowns as he has, I think is very impressive. Like whenever they score a lot of points, it seems like he has two touchdowns. Um, so it's, it's been a really good year for him. I have to say, you know, all three of those rookie, all three of those rookie guys, you know, Smith, Chase, well, I think they've all been really good, but as far as this game goes, I like the dolphins. I think that, I think they've looked really great lately. You know, I thought the saints game was one that if they weren't a playoff team, it would have been like 13, 10, even if they won, it just would have been like a, you know, back and forth slog. It wasn't, they really beat them up. Um, and I think the Titans had a gritty win last week. I think that was enough to get the monkey off the back of like the, wait a minute, are we going to lose every single game and miss the playoffs? They're not, they're going to make the playoffs. Um, I like the Titans here getting three and a half or sorry, the Dolphins rather getting three and a half. Yeah. So this line actually just <laughs> moved again. I, I was just checking it out. It is now three and a half. Uh, it was three, like 15 minutes before we started when wow. I, when I was finalizing the lines, it's flying back and forth. Exactly. Um, I agree with you. I, I lean with the line or lean with the Dolphins in this one, getting the three and a half. The fact is when I get those number, when I get the hook on that, on that, and I'm just not a huge Titans fan. I haven't been the entire season. They've just continued to prove me wrong, but it's still just to the point where I don't know. I, I there's something with this team that I can't get behind. And I feel like this Dolphins team is just red hot right now. And that, that shouldn't be all that I'm like using as my basis for why I might pick one team when I'm betting it. But it's about the fact that I just feel like, I feel like defensively Miami is going to be able to, you know, match up really well against the two receivers in Julio Jones and AJ Brown with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. I believe Xavier Howard still is mm -hmm. healthy. Uh, just want to double check that. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, with Xavier Howard as well, I just think 
with both these teams, I'd rather lay it with the team that's playing well right now, the team that's kind of fully integrated with all the guys that they have there. And when I when so much of the offense is predicated on the past secondary, where they the Titans were able to take advantage of a San Francisco 49ers secondary that wasn't that good, and now they're going up against one with two really good corners in the Miami Dolphins, I find that they'll be hard to move the ball in the passing game. And then running game, if you're going to tell me it's Deonta Foreman and uh, Darrington Evans, uh, I'm going to go with the other team there. I feel like Brian Flores will, will be able to scheme them into stopping that run game. And when I get three in the hook, I mean, Mike, Mike Vrabel, we love him as a dog. He's not that great as a favorite when it comes to against the spread numbers. And Miami, you know, 4-1-1 one one against the spread on the road this year. So this is a team that has done well outside of Miami. I, I like the spot for them. Yeah, it's so true. The Titans really are great as a dog and not that great as a favorite. Um, you know, this game could be ugly. Totals 39 and a half. I looked at it and, and like the first thing I thought was like, wow, that, that could definitely go over. But I was watching the Titans last week. They might actually be bad, like, you know, with all the injuries they have. But if A.J. Brown didn't put in like an unbelievable second half performance and they make a lot of mistakes, Tannehill – I kind of have mixed feelings about him. He's obviously having a tough year this year. It's like 15 touchdowns, 14 picks. Um, they might, they might actually be bad, like in this current iteration of them. Um, and Jimmy said, G, Jimmy G gave him so many opportunities with all the bad picks that he was throwing. It's yeah, it's, it's not like it's a, for, it's, it, was, it was almost one of those, like, like uh, the 49ers lost the game more so than the Titans won. It was almost one of those, but I, I mean, you have to say AJ Brown, like, almost won the game by himself. It was really unbelievable. Like all-time great wide receiver performance, at least this year that I remember seeing, not just put it, putting up numbers, but it was like the only numbers. Like, you know, I wonder like, you know, such a high percentage, I'm sure, of Tannehill's passing yards were to A.J. Brown, yeah. which is always indicative of like a dominant performance. So, um, yeah. Anyway, you know, with that said, I like the Dolphins. I think I think you do as well. Jalen Waddle plus 2,500 for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Now, honestly, but you yeah, read those odds off in general. Uh, Mac Jones minus five hundred, Jamar Chase plus three fifty, Jalen Waddle plus twenty five hundred, Javante Williams plus ten thousand, and Najee Harris plus ten thousand. Your boy is not on there. So, so Jamar Chase really has no chance. I get. I mean, that's what that's how DraftKings is doing it. Even though Mac has looked really bad the past couple of weeks, um, Dude, and it's not Jamar like they're winning because of bad games. Yeah, I know that. That's it's a tough part about it because you have the quarterback doing really. You have the quarterback's team doing really well. He's fi- doing fine, but we know that it's they're not winning because of him. He's playing fine, but I mean, th- there's always the caveat of. I mean, any other rookie quarterback there, and this team is probably doing well as well. Yeah, but honestly, you could say you could. Like like. What? It, it, are the Bengals winning because of Jamar Chase? No, and that no, oh, that's really? no. He's great, but it's, so is Mac Jones. You know, no rookie. Honestly, the only rookie who's really helping his team win like that is probably Michael Parsons. I'd have to think so. I'd have to think so. I think Waddle, like biggest, I think Waddle's honestly pretty. I think Waddle's pretty close to that in that regard dude, too. I, I dude, isn't it like? Like what I said, you know, not only is it a lot of catches, not only is it a lot of yards, but then he gets all the touchdowns too, which is crazy because they have like Gusecki and they have you know, Devontae Parker. They have like big guys and uh, he gets all the touchdowns. Uh, so FanDuel has a little bit shorter odds for Mac. They have him at minus 350, Jamar Chase at plus 300. Uh, then your boy comes in, Devontae Smith at plus uh, plus 10,000 in that one. Uh, Jalen Wild is still plus 2,500 though. Um, so I guess they're shaping it up. I mean, at this point, you're not getting really any value with any of these guys for the most part. I mean, if you want to take a stab at Waddle or Chase, but I think with two weeks left, uh, it's going to, it would be tough. I think for them to overtake it. And Vegas always seems to know ahead of time, like what's going on. Waddle's missed games and, and almost has a hundred catches. Although he, he also only has five touchdowns. I swear though. I feel like whenever I look, he has touchdowns. So it really, it really does not confirm what, what I thought. The catches part, I think was more surprising. You were talking about him being a speedster and the fact that he has all the touchdowns or he has a bunch of touchdowns. I well, think there's, the different catches types. Bit, there, yeah. there's different types. Like not every speedster is a Henry Ruggs. You know, he's a little more like the Tyree kill mold, like the, you know, get it and be given the opportunity to make plays with it. Yeah. I think that just has to deal with the offense. And I think that's honestly the smarter way of going about it instead yeah. of like, obviously when they can get Henry Ruggs going and once a game, you can get a 70 or 80 yard touchdown run from him. That's great. But I think when you can consistent, consistently get Jalen Waddle or Tyree kill the ball, it really puts your stress on the defense to focus on him. And that's what we've seen with Jalen Waddle and the offense has started to click a little bit better. Yeah, it's okay. Like, uh, Waddle's like Tyree kill 
and rugs rugs is like or was like deshaun jackson you know more of just like that's what i was thinking yeah okay arizona dallas dallas is favored by six we got two teams doing in completely different directions a lot of points dude that is a lot i know stop you right there what's up with all those points we were talking about on sunday or monday and i said i liked arizona when it was i think at five before i liked arizona and it makes me a little worried that it's getting up there that some people are jacking that price up to six, but I think this is a really good spot for them. I think coming off that embarrassing loss in the standalone standalone game against the Indianapolis Colts, who were pretty much their practice squad players in that one, the fact that they have now lost to pretty much a practice squad Colts and the Detroit Lions in consecutive weeks, you have to think that this team, this is like, this is their stand. This is like where they're like enough's enough. This is where we start to turn it on and we start to flip the switch. Otherwise, I mean, we're all worried about them now as a potential team that's just done at this point. This is like, if you are really that team, even though they have the same injuries that we discussed on Monday, if you're really that team, you should be able to make up for the fact because we've seen other teams deal with losses and beat good teams. And now we have Dallas coming off that super, uh, emotional win where they were able to clinch the playoff spot. I believe they clinched the division at, in that game. Mm. It was all of that. They're on the shorter week. I, I think this is the spot. You have two days extra rest, two days extra preparation for the Cardinals since they played on Saturday, as opposed to the um, Cowboys who played on – wait, did they play on Monday? No, they played Sunday night. Never mind. So one extra day. I still just really like this spot for them. I think that they'll have some things ready, and I think when you get six points on their side, I'll, I'll take that. So I'm sorry. So you're you're gonna take you like who Cowboys? I like Cardinals. the Cardinals. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So I'm looking at this Cowboys. Uh, I'm looking at the injury report because I was thinking like six points. Like people must be out for the Cardinals. I mean, we already knew that, but Buda Baker not practicing, James Conner not practicing. You know, the Cowboys looking at this injury report thing, and maybe I'm missing someone. They kind of look like the healthiest team in the league right now. Right. It looks like like a couple guys are like limited participants in practice, but I can't think of anyone. Really, no, They were missing. They were missing Demarcus Lawrence early in the season, but he's been back. He obviously had that pick six against the football is, team. Is anyone good, good out? Like, I, I believe Tyron Smith was out last week. I don't know if he's, he's returned. A, he's a limited participant in practice okay. per, per Wednesday's injury report. Mm-hmm. So like on the deep, like, am I forgetting someone or is this the healthiest team in the league right now? I think they might be the healthiest team in the league. I think you can put the chiefs up there. Yeah. Them. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, and, and remember that's super important, right? The bucks are, are not that healthy. The Packers have a couple things like here and there, although they seem relatively healthy as they well. They have players that will be coming back. So like yeah, Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander just got yeah. activated. Yeah. But back to your, like, has he played at all this year? I think he played like one game. I don't like a guy who hasn't played like at all. I mean, I like him no. better than not having him, but it's, it's weird. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. He remains out. Um, I don't know. Uh, and then I got to see what Elton Jenkins for them. because he's the guy that was, uh, that was, that was stepping in for him and he did a really good job. So, he was in there. But, but, oh, basically, he's for the season. but basically the thing is like the Cowboys are just insanely healthy. It's mm-hmm. really, it's really impressive looking. And they've had guys. I know, I know like, uh, like Amari was out, CD was out, you know, for spots, but Right now, they look 100%. They look really dangerous. Um, this is their – you know, remember what I said on Monday? I was like, they haven't been a good team all year. Um, you could talk yourself – like, if they win this game, you could totally talk yourself out of it and say the Cardinals actually sucked, like, late season. But, you know, this is a chance for them to get a good win. It is. Yeah. I mean, when you, we went through their uh, – we went through their schedule, and there wasn't really that anything impressive, and this would probably be the most impressive win they've had uh, yeah, well, of the season, it, even it's, if it's, it's a like, banged-up Cardinals team that's kind of sputtering. It's one of those things that I could see both sides for. Like, if you're a Cowboys guy, you're going to be like, yeah, this is a great win. The Cardinals are a playoff team, whatever. But if you're not a Cowboys guy, you're going to be like, dude, the Cardinals weren't even good at this point. So you can sort of frame it however you want. Yep, yep. Okay, we are heading to Lambeau, Minnesota, Green Bay. Green Bay favored by seven. These teams played a couple of weeks ago with Minnesota getting a late victory against the Green Bay Packers. We have no Adam Thielen for the Minnesota Vikings. He's out for the season. Green Bay is starting to roll. This team though hasn't really been that impressive like we spoke about on monday when you go through their record or just their wins there's a lot of close victories the saturday game against the green bay or against the cleveland browns where they kind of squeaked their way by despite baker having four interceptions in that one and then you go back to the ravens game the week prior where they won by one on a you know stopping them on the two-point conversion but gave up 30 30 points to tyler huntley 
there's a little bit of cause for concern here in this Minnesota offense can be lethal, even if you take out Adam Thielen, because they have Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cooks expect to be back. KJ Osborne has stepped in pretty well for them uh, as the second wide receiver. Where, where do you see this game going? Instinct says Vikings because, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're getting seven points. Like, you know, you like the Vikings when they're getting seven, uh, they, they didn't show up against the Rams, you know, cause again, Stafford played as poorly as he did and they still lost. Um, but I think this is like a, always, this is a Viking spot. Do we know, um, Dalvin cook going to be back? He, he was, he returned to practice. I believe, I think it was either full or he, uh, upgraded to full Thursday. So yeah, he's uh, he he'll be back. Yeah, I think I think this is an absolute must win for the Vikings. Unfortunately for Vikings people, I don't know if the Vikings actually want like a must win type thing. You know, like some, like some teams want their team against the wall. So they like answer. I don't know if the Vikings are that like answer the bell kind of team. So that could both be like a curse and a blessing. But of course, it is an absolute must win. You know, the NFC playoff spots, especially if the Eagles win, it becomes a really, really uphill battle. But it's, it's a must win regardless. Um and uh, yeah, I, ca- I kind of like them in the spot. Like you said, the Packers haven't been that impressive. On the other hand, I, I could see the Packers really going for the bye because I think they could use, I think Rodgers could use a week with the toe thing. I mean, it's bad. It's hard not to get, st- like your left pinky toe is going to get stepped on if you're a quarterback, you know, because like that's, that's the like, like furthest most facing, if that makes sense. It's like mm-hmm. the forward most when you're in like your stance. So yeah, I mean, that's going to be a problem. They, they benefit from the buy a lot, and they're going to fight for it because they're in that position right now. Um, so, you know, And you also have to think about, do they are, are they really going to get swept by the Vikings? I know you're not talking about just straight-up outright win. You're 100%. About covering the spread. No, no, 100%. And that crossed my mind, too. And, and I just – I don't know. I didn't, br- I didn't bring it up for this one just because I think um, – I guess I don't really view this as like a, as like a rivalry thing. Even though um, it's a divisional team? I don't know. I just don't really, I never really view, I know they play each other all the time, but I, I consider like Packers bears to be much more real than Packers Vikings. I can see that. But then, I mean, that goes with the same thing. I would get, I guess like in the NFC East, like what, what's the Cowboys like main rival? Is it the football team? I, I think that's who you kind of think of, but they're still rivals with the giants and the Eagles. So yeah, well, everybody hates the Cowboys. Exactly. No, honestly, may, yeah, maybe I love Eagles because, too. I love Eagles. I only hate the Cowboys. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> honestly, maybe, maybe just because of recent playoff stuff, but I honestly feel like the Vikings and Saints are rivals because they always play each other in the playoffs. Yeah. Cause you have two memorable games where yeah. I mean, it's funny because the Vikings won both of them. Exactly. In pretty they epic fashion. Them. So, them. but yeah, when you think about it, you have the miracle in Minnesota, the Minnesota, a Minneapolis miracle, and then you have the Kyle Rudolph uh, touchdown yeah. push uh, to off. seal it. Yeah. Push off. Yeah, I, the push say, off. What do I, know? I, I like this spot as a tea. I like this as a teaser spot for the Packers to get them from minus seven to like minus one because I don't see them losing this game. I don't see them getting swept by the Vikings. I think they are still gunning for that, that number one seed. I don't know how the, the tiebreaker would shake out if they lost and like the Cowboys won because then they'd be tied for the same record. Um, but I, I really like the spot for them when you consider the fact that I still think that they'll be able to take advantage of this Minnesota secondary. I, I'm a little skeptical of their offense and being able to put up the amount of points that I think that you need to put up with no feeling. I believe he was there the first time they played. And it's the fact that, you know, Kirk Cousins in prime time. This is a Sunday night game. This isn't one one p.m. on a on a Thursday, one p.m. on a Sunday. This isn't going up against the Bears, where you don't really have to worry about the opposition. I mean, he played against that Bears team a couple weeks ago on Monday night, and he put up twenty one points. But you also don't worry, about, like you didn't have to worry about on the opposite side the quarterback play or the offense as a whole putting up much production there. They only put up six points in that one. So when you have Aaron Rodgers staring you on the other side, you get a little bit more aggressive. You're missing Adam Thielen, who's, I think, his more of a security blanket, the guy that's been with him for years since he's been in Minnesota. I think that'll be a little bit more prevalent in this one. So that's where I don't necessarily feel comfortable laying the seven because I think the backdoor cover could be there. I think that this Minnesota offense is still good enough to keep up keep up with them, but I don't see them winning this game. I think if you can get it from seven to minus one and pair it with another team, I think that's a really good spot. Yeah, I, I almost... I almost lean towards the stay away because I, I agree with like the, you want to tease Packers down to like, you know, one or zero, or you want to put them in a money line parlay, but I don't just like probability wise. I don't necessarily think they have a 75% chance of winning. Like I agree. They probably have like a 60% chance of winning. You know, that's what you're saying with the minus 300 is they have like a, you know, three and four chance of winning. 
I don't even know if that's true. So it'd probably stay away for me. Maybe even the over. It, would be, it might be. It would be more of a stay away if they had if Minnesota hadn't beaten them. I I just don't think Rogers is going to go out that way. I, dude, I just, dude, you know why? Maybe I, you know why? I, maybe I haven't brought this up. And admittedly, this is different because Green Bay is the better team. But well, first of all, I just thought of this too: is like the Saints beat Tampa twice, but then also like um, I talked myself into that for Steelers last week, or sorry for Ravens rather. I'm like, oh, they're going to play with pride; they're not going to get smoked by the Bengals twice. And granted, they were depleted, but you know, obviously, you that's where it's uh, both of those. I think injuries impact them in the in the Bucks game. You're losing Chris Godwin and Mike Evans early on in that game, and then you're no, throwing that, to, that, you're throwing in nobodies. That's unfair to just say injury, bro. They scored zero points. Like, I no, mean, I get that, but that's still a very good defense in the Saints, and you're giving like. You look at their receivers. I mean, you're hoping Gronk, who I think is a good, like, secondary piece that can mix and match. And, like, when you have guys that can you can go to consistently, Gronk can get mixed in there and can be found in the red zone. But when you take out Mike Evans and Chris Godwin for most of that game against a really good defense that has had your number for years, I think that plays a part in it. Obviously, putting up zero points is embarrassing, but I still think that plays a part. And then when you talk about – what was the second one that you were talking about? The uh, um, oh, the Ravens. The Ravens. I mean, Josh, John, I, I would have felt comfortable with Tyler Huntley there getting the plus like seven or no, whatever, it, as it opposed to being, Josh Johnson. And I it know it's the second more about the defense, dude. I know. Um, and honestly, what one other thing you know, how I was talking about how it's hard to properly rate like a fading, a fading star. Mm. What, where would you rank Rob Gronkowski as far as tight ends go? I mean, and, and when it's all 32, I still think it's above average. Yeah, but like put a number on it because obviously he was like one for a while. Uh, I put him in that like, I mean, when you talk about all the whole, the whole position, not just receiving, I'd probably yeah, put him in that like, well and all that, yeah, I'd probably put him in like that seven to 10 range. I think, I think it's fair because he also like, he also has the unquantifiable, like I trust him to make a clutch play. Um, he he comes through enough. He ball. comes through enough in the receiving game. For, for Brady that I have to feel comfortable with him just still there. And you add in the really good blocking that he brings and it, it's enough to put me put to put him in there. I mean, if you think off the top of your head, I put Kelsey Kittle, Waller, Andrews, um, Pitts, Hawkins. Pitts is tough. I, I put Pitt. I mean, he's a pro bowler this year. Yeah, what does that mean though? Is that okay. most of fan voted? Uh, I, I, I don't remember. I, I, rem- I remember. I can't remember. I know the NBA, which is weirder because I pay more attention to the NFL than the NBA, but I, I, yeah. I don't know what the exact numbers match it up. Okay. So Hawkinson, I, I put in there nobody like six for, or seven. I mean, they, don't, they don't even try to make the Pro Bowl entertaining. And I don't blame them. And do, you know, cause it's not it, like what we no, could do. A, we could do a fix the Pro Bowl podcast one day, but I don't even have any ideas. Honestly, it just, not just, it just doesn't work for football. It is what it is. No, because it's too much of a contact sport. Like with NBA, it's a, you know, it's a show off contest. It's like, okay, let me pull up from 40 and that's fine. With the MLB, that's why. Flag football. Yeah. Just screw the linemen. Just get them out. You you still vote them in because obviously when it comes to like contract and stuff, but yeah, that maybe put them in their own game, like their own game. I don't know. Like the linemen could do like tug of war or something. And then you could just have like seven on seven on the other side. It's like squid game. I've never seen it. Never seen oh, it. okay. Never mind. Um, yeah, I, I think the same way with the MLB, these MLB All-Star game where, you know, it, it's normally like a three to two game. It's something that it's it's not as – I think the NBA is perfect with the All-Star game because it has all that showboating. It's all the scoring. It's all the, the top stars playing together. I don't think anybody does it as well as the NBA. Well, I actually – you know, it's funny. I actually liked the MLB All-Star meeting something. You know how it was like the home field advantage for World Series. Yeah. Objectively, it doesn't really make a ton of sense like when you think about it. And if it was your team being like inconvenienced by it, like like let's say, you know, Yankees-Phillies played in the World Series like in 09. I'm pretty sure that Yankees had home field there. But if they hadn't because of like the All-Star game, like that would be – you know, that would be tough for you. But even so, um, I liked making the game mean something – and I As opposed was, to just money, because that's that's what it is. It's like winning team gets more money, and none of these like, guys oh, really care. No, if you win, you get two hundred thousand, and if you lose, you only get a hundred thousand. And then these guys look at their a hundred thousand per game game check, and are like, "Oh, better get up for this one." Like, it's just just not really how it works. No, because all the top guys are getting paid millions of dollars. They're getting paid a hundred thousand per game, right? You know, you're yeah. making like. Or maybe five hundred thousand per game, right? Because you're making like four. I mean, if, if you're talking about like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, you're making like three million a game. No, I'm talking about for NBA right now. Oh, NBA. They make, like, they make like forty mil. They play eighty games. Yeah, so yeah, like five hundred k per game. Like mm-hmm. Jesus. 
Yeah. Okay. Last game, the Monday night game, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cleveland is favored by three and a half. This is big Ben's last game in Heinz field. Most likely. And damn, I don't know. This is Pittsburgh Steelers plus three and a half. This could be an all time bad watch. And that's saying something for some of the Monday night games we've seen this year, but this could be the worst of the lot. It's entirely possible. They played earlier in the year, Pittsburgh won 15, 10. If you remember, Chris Boswell got injured on the fake field goal attempt. And so that's why the final score was 15 to 10. Um, And there's no, there's no signs that would indicate this game is going to be any more, you know, appealing to watch. Obviously it's an important game for both teams. The Steelers seven, eight and one, they're on their way out. I know for a fact because I've heard Browns fans talk about it. If the Browns win and the Bengals lose, they will play each other to, for the division yep. on, on that following yep. day. So, um, so obviously the Browns still have something to play for at, at least until maybe Monday night, you know, in that sense, you almost hope the, uh, you hope the chiefs win. So this game isn't just like two just out of the playoff teams dueling it out. But um Oh man, it's it's a hard one. You, you almost just say Steelers home getting three and a half, fine. Yeah. And it's also you know the atmosphere, Big Ben last game. Yeah. That place is going to be bumping. And the last time yeah. Cleveland, There's the been... last time Cleveland was there, it was the playoff game where they absolutely destroyed the Steelers. Yeah. I mean that that's all got to be swirling around in your head, dude. How many? You know, ben is like a Ben has done like a Paul Pierce level farewell tour in the sense of like several years now like this is this is his second year of the farewell tour in my opinion i feel like he was like a foot out the door last year i mean it would very well could have gone either way i mean if he said at the end of last season he was going to retire i don't think it would have been caught off guard they keep throwing them in sunday night games i feel like i feel like i've heard michaels and collinsworth do a big Ben game like three times this year i'm trying Um, to think they played the bears um the seahawks seahawks I think they played a Ravens game in there. I'm not sure. That might have been a 4 p.m. game. Great game yeah. that was. The, the <laughs> conversion one, if we're talking about the same one. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and um, – but, dude, so that's what I'm saying. It's like Big Ben's last Sunday night. Big Ben's last Monday night. Big Ben's last road game. Big Ben's last home game. Big Ben's Big Ben's last game in 2020 or 2021, right? You know, whatever. So it's like, uh, yeah, just pack it up, man. I, I – but with that said, you know, so I'm not buying into any of that. I'm just simply saying, give me three points for the home team. Three and a half. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course, that, that could that could go a very important distinction. That could go either way. And that's really it for me. Yeah, I mean, the three and a half at home with Big Ben's last game. Um, and also the Steelers secondary is what really torches this team. And Cleveland offensively, they don't have the weapons on the outside. We've seen that time and time again this past over the pack half of the season. And I'm glad that Odell is kind of it's kind of signified like, oh, maybe Odell wasn't the issue with this offense. Maybe it's some other things, namely the quarterback, because it's not like the offense has picked up since he's left. And honestly, Odell's done better in the Rams situation. Obviously, we all anticipated that. But the fact that it's still coming to fruition there, I think, is a point to be made. I don't see Pittsburgh. I don't see what's it called Cleveland having success success in the air, but we also have this Pittsburgh defense in the rushing game. That's been absolutely awful on their defensive side. I mean, we remember again, I'll reference this Dalvin cook running through literally like a grocery store aisle, like sized holes tearing them up. Um, And this is probably the, this is one or two in rush of DVOA in the Cleveland Browns. So I could very well see them just running it down the Pittsburgh Steelers throat. I just have to think that they come out and they show out for this game enough where they're able to mitigate that and they just make Baker have to beat them through the air. And I don't think Baker's going to be able to do it. It's funny. Nick Chubb's actually having a really good season, 200, like only 200 attempts to get 1,150 yards. He's an absolute beast. But um, just seems quiet this year. Maybe because the Browns are, are worse than they were last year and he's been in and out of the lineup, but those are actually great. Now, yards per carry is crazy. Um, so... Yeah, he's him and Jonathan Taylor are right now. And I'll put Derrick Henry in there when he's healthy. Those are the top three rushers, like just pure running or rusher. It's it's funny because for like, yeah, maybe I guess I I didn't think of Chubb that way. And I I still don't like if you were to group those three, he's the clear number three for me. And I probably put Dalvin Cook above him as far as pure rusher. Dalvin's great pure rusher. I don't know. I don't know. Chubb is. Dalvin, I think, is more explosive, but I think as a pure runner, I think Chubb is just 
I don't know. Yeah, I, maybe I I'm disrespecting him. I think maybe all I, the same maybe, tier. I'm, maybe I'm disrespecting him a little bit. And it's entirely possible because those yards per carry numbers are great. You know, anybody can get 400 carries and turn out a thousand yards, but if you can do it in 200, it's very impressive. Like for me, it'd probably go Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb. I mean, then maybe I go Dalvin, then Derrick Henry. Last? I think so. I mean, last amongst the 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 elite, but yeah, I think as a pure runner, like that's crazy. That's all he does. He's not a receiver. I'm, no, no. I just think when it comes to like when you look at the analytics of rush yards over expected, when it comes to just other metrics, you can look at it and Derrick Henry's not as efficient, and he gets those long runs. But when it comes to a per carry basis, I like Nick Chubb. I like Jonathan Taylor, and I might even like Dalvin Cook over him. It's it's possible. You know, a lot of guys become overrated because their highlights are more fun to watch than other people's the same way the Cooper cup is underrated yeah. no matter how good his numbers are, because like, you know, it's way more fun to watch Derek Henry, like shove someone in the face to the ground than it is to watch Nick Chubb, like find the right opening through the tackles and stuff like that. So, I mean, that is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's get to our week 17 bets. Uh, George, you, you held me off for one more week. You held me off. Let's go. <laughs> I'm I'm 25, 18, and two. You are 26 and 19. So so what did we go the last week? We both I went two and one, you went one and two. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of a crisis. Um, we we have the same differential in wins, losses, but I have the two ties that are dude. How is this Patriots number so big? 16 hosting the Jags. That's insane. I mean, you have to think they got embarrassed and just yeah, and they're they're the Jags. You know, they're starting to jack up these bad teams. Like even the Niners minus twelve hosting Houston, and then Tampa minus twelve and a half going to the Jets. Like, like again, there's only like six bad teams, and there are so many good teams that there, there's a reason why there's always three to four. 10 point or more spreads every week mm-hmm. because those six teams or so are so bad. And there isn't, there isn't much of like a lower middle class in the NFL, if that makes sense. There's like the Seahawks and maybe the bears or like the football team, but like, you know, there's so many teams that are very solid, like even like the Falcons or like the saints, they're going to be six, seven, eight point favorites over like the Lions and guys like that Texans. So, I mean, that's just why the Falcons so were, I believe, six points against the I, Lions last week. I think they might have been, they're either six and a half or maybe even seven and a half by the time Tim Boyle was announced. And I can't remember. Um, okay. So, for my first bet, I'm going Dolphins plus three and a half. We were talking about before. I really like the spot for them, even on the short week against a Tennessee offense that I don't necessarily see is that explosive. I, even Miami's even though Miami's offense isn't that explosive, I think they'll be able to take apart this Tennessee defense that has been playing very well. I just think that they'll be able to make some make make some plays there. I don't think when you have I think Tua won't make the same mistakes or the amount of mistakes that Jimmy G had, where he been, he gave them pretty much three easy interceptions, especially one that was in the red zone at the like ten yard line there. Two has been playing well. Jalen Wall has been eaten for them. And I think defensively, when you have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard matching up against A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, I think they'll be able to stop them there. And then when it's like, okay, Deonta Foreman and Darrington Evans have to beat us, I like the odds of the Dolphins there. Yep. All right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have to get a little bit creative to uh <laughs> to to you know, no more just straight up picks for me. So I'm gonna go. Wh- what do you do when you're doing two teams to get close to minus 110? Is it six or six, six and a half? Six. Okay. All right, give me six on the Niners and Chargers. Um, so Niners to minus six and Chargers to minus a half. Niners hosting the Texans, Chargers hosting the Broncos. I'll start with the Niners. Um, the Texans, like, you know, I mean, this is a this is a bad loss meets good win, you know, better team playing worse team kind of thing. Um, Texans had success passing against the Chargers. Now you got to play real defense. Um, and, you know, I mean, the Niners should beat them up. The Chargers, they lost a bad game to the Broncos. They just came off a really bad loss. This is a must-win for them. I think both teams get it done. I even like both spreads, but the six-number play is pretty nice here to get the Niners under a touchdown the Chargers yeah. to pick. No, I agree. I agree. For me, I'm doing a three-team, 10-point tease, okay. and I'm using the Niners in there. Niners to minus two, mm-hmm. Tampa to minus two and a half, and the Steelers up to 13 and a half. So we got oh. Tampa. We, we got Tampa. I liked the first two things. I didn't like the Steelers. Oh, theory. my. Well, you think Baker Mayfield is going into Pittsburgh for Big Ben's last game 
and blowing them out. I don't think so. I don't even Dude. care. I, like, here's the thing. I'm locking this in because I don't even care what happens in that Bengals Chiefs game. I know for a fact that the Steelers are not going to let Big Ben lose that last game. And if they do, if they do, I have to, they have to beat them by two touchdowns. That's and, no, that that and, and they did just get absolutely smoked last week. Like I was going to say, oh, you think they can't get smoked? They got smoked by the Chiefs. So let's be clear: the Browns are not the Chiefs. Exactly. So. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so you have Tampa minus two and a half against a Jets team that's just absolutely sorry. Um, we saw Antonio Brown play. I believe Mike Evans should be close to returning. I honestly wouldn't be surprised, though, if they decided to hold him out because it is the Jets. But I still think regardless, their defense will eat. The offense will be able to put up enough points, and the Jets are just sorry. And then San Fran, I mean, you, you were laying out before. I just think on the long week against a really bad, a really bad Houston Texans team that has, is coming off a very nice win. I don't think they'll be able to stop them. They're really weak when it comes to uh, run defense. And obviously that's what the Niners want to do. I think with the Niners still fighting for that last spot in the wild card and the potential to possibly take over the Cardinals, if the Cardinals end up losing, I think they become tied then going into the last week. I think there's a lot of mo- motivation there and I get it under a field goal. Give me that all day. Yep. All right, I'm going to go. Um, this is more about buying a line than actually making a pick, but I'm going to go off everything I said, like, you know, right when we started and take the Raiders plus seven, um, because, you know, if you believe that like with the line is now you have a 50, 50 chance. And I just think that there's a good chance that it moves the right way, a low chance that it moves the wrong way. Seven is a good number um, because look, not all eight and seven teams are created equal, but they are both eight and seven. So we'll see. And you probably, I mean, even if Carson Wentz is there, you probably have the quarterback edge. And now you're getting a touchdown. So I think that's very fair, very fair to say. My last pick is the football team plus three and a half. I like the number of three and a half. I like both these teams coming off, you know, the polar opposites of what you'd really want from a team. But I think that's where it makes so appealing for this football team. The second time playing the Eagles in three weeks. We saw this recently. I'm trying to remember exactly off the top of my head which exact team it was. But Jim, damn, I, I can't believe I'm forgetting which which of these teams. I don't know. Um, the short turnaround between playing these teams. Oh, it was the Cleveland Browns against the Baltimore Ravens. That's why Cleveland played Baltimore. They lost. They went into the bye. They came out and they played them again. They didn't have, like not necessarily the football team having a bye here, but it's still just that short turnaround. You've played this team very recently. They played them close. They now don't have Garrett Gilbert playing quarterback. You have Taylor Heineke, who isn't great, but significantly better than Garrett Gilbert and maybe some Kyle Allen in there. I still just like this team enough to cover the three and a half there. The hook is the big point of this. If it was three, I'd probably stay away, but I, when I can win on a field goal, I'll take it. Yep. All right. Um, for my last pick, I'm going to go with the over in Rams Ravens, um, 46 and a half. Kind of goes back to what I was saying before that I feel that the Ravens problems are not necessarily with their offense, but more so with their like secondary. Um, you remember that the Rams scored 30 with Stafford having a terrible game. Granted, they had a special teams touchdown, but even so, um, yeah, I think that's a pretty low number for two pretty good offenses. Yeah, I mean, look, 27. I mean, I could definitely see – I think you should expect. I believe when I was looking – I was looking at the team total for the Rams, and I think it was set at like 26 or 25. Yeah, maybe I should, maybe I should just take that, honestly, Rams team total. My kind they don't have it on DraftKings. Uh, if you want to look at FanDuel. Um, nah, nah. I'll, I'll leave the team total on then. But okay. you know. Um, no, but I, I like this. I think the Rams run or the Rams run defense is susceptible. That's how the Ravens want to operate. And you'll have, I mean, Josh Johnson put up 21 points last week. Tyler well, Huntley yeah. should be back or Lamar. I, I'd like to think that they can put up 24 plus. And then on the Rams, on the Ram side of it, I definitely see them, you know, putting up at least 28. Give me the way. Because I, I, because I found it on DraftKings. Oh, you did? Okay. Over 25 and a half. Minus 120. Give me that instead of the over 46 and a half. 25 and a half for the yeah, Rams team total over. Dude, okay. you see, I, I like to pick, I like to make the picks just straight up, but I've been backed into a quarter by, by like our recent runs and performances, man. I, you know, if you go back these past like however many weeks, honestly, it could be the reason for the cold streak. I haven't been doing teases or anything, just very straight up. So I got to get a little more creative to get back ahead of you with some, with some weeks to spare. It's been, it's been tough. The books have definitely made these lines tough. I think they've been jacking them up um, where even if you wanted to like tease something between like the eight and nine number, like this, if it's seven and a half or seven to like eight and a half, 
they normally don't even let you get there. It normally gets jacked up to nine or nine and a half or 10 exactly. to keep you away from doing that. So it's even made the, even the straight up lines a little bit difficult. And it's so hard with, like you were talking about with some of these bottom tier teams where some of them are so bad and it's just hard to really back them when they get those big numbers. So it's really hamstringing you to take these closer niche games and there's not always the amount that you want there. That's why I've resorted to at least probably one tease per week because it's just been so hard. And normally when I'm betting, I like to tease the games because I feel like I have a better uh, understanding or a better chance of figuring out two games when I can add six points to it, as opposed to one game where it's like straight up where they think the 50, 50 line is. Yeah. I think, I think that's fair. And I also feel that like a lot of times I I like teasing a lot with these, with these big favorites because it's, it's sucky when like, like using Browns, uh, Browns Packers, for example, from Christmas, mm-hmm. like that really only mattered for the spread at the end. I guess the Browns had it for a sec there, but you know, before that, when it was tw- when it was twenty four, like fifteen or whatever, it became twenty four twenty two. Yeah, um, it's uh, like if you had teased the Packers, you would have been like, okay, I did my job. Or even if you teased the Browns, you're like, yeah, I thought it was going to be close ish, and it was. So a lot of times the tease is great, lets you sort of paint the picture of what you think the game is going to be more so than just like picking a specific number, which can get tough. Yeah, I, I personally, I didn't tease it on the show uh, when he gave out our picks, but I teased it myself uh, with a couple of other, with like one other thing. But when that game was going on and they kept it a two point game and I had one and a half, it felt very good. A lot of games you can just win the teaser either way. Like, you know, that Tuesday night where there were the two games and it was Eagles football team and, uh, and Seahawks. Rams and I teased Seahawks to 14 Eagles to like, you know, three and a half or Mm -hmm. two and a half or whatever it was. And uh, obviously they both hit, but you know, it would have hit either way. (laughs) It would have hit, you know, so. Yeah. I'd rather be uh, careful or what is it? I'd rather be safe than, uh, you know, reckless with it, I guess. (laughs) But uh, that's going to do it for us today. We'll be back on Monday to recap all these great games. Uh, Thank you for listening. Have a good weekend. Happy New Year. See you guys.